three grade 12 English classes connecting community through story. This is The Podcast Project. That was a hard thing for me to come out as a trans comic. I didn't want to be the the punchline of other people's jokes. You just wanted to be a comic. Yeah, so now I get to be the punchline of my own joke Mm -hmm. about myself, so I get to decide what's okay. I'm a trans person, so I can talk about that. Welcome to This Teen Life, where teens are discussing themes and topics that really matter to us. We are the voices of Generation Z. In this episode, we will be exploring what it means to be in the LGBTQ community. My name is R, and I identify on the LGBTQ spectrum. Through a conversation with a member of the trans community, we will be learning about their experiences and how they relate to high school students today. This episode will also include clips and interviews from current high school students commenting on what it's like to live in the new environment of LGBTQ+. Are we on? Yeah, oh. yeah we are. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm here with Zane, and I have a couple questions to ask you. Okay. Um, how old were you when you felt you were in the wrong body? Um, I would say around, I can't remember before three years old, but I made my mother cut my hair very short at three years old. So I would say probably two, two years old is when I knew. Yeah. Zane is a retired teacher, now comedian. You raised a lot of awareness through your comedy and you use a lot of your shows to talk about your experiences. Could you tell me more about that? Uh, Yeah, I was a comedian for, I guess I've been a comedian for about five years, Ooh. and I kind of identified as genderqueer at that time, and hadn't totally figured myself out. So when I realized, finally, what I identified as transgender, I had to decide, okay, do I continue to do comedy or not? And it's kind of a scary decision to make, because you're really being vulnerable, you're really putting yourself out there. When I first met Zane, they seemed a bit intimidating in a sense. Salt and pepper hair, a weathered look around their eyes, a confident aura surrounding them. And here I was, a petite brown kid who's always had shyness attached to my name. We couldn't be more different, and yet just the same. Why do you think it's important to share your story with others since you've made it to comedy? Uh, I feel like it's important to share my story, one, for myself. It's kind of like a, a form of therapy. And I never really had a voice as a kid. Like, I loved to act. Mm -hmm. And when I got into about grade six, halfway through grade six, when puberty starts kind of kicking in, then I remember trying out, I would always get the lead role in a play. Always. And I tried out for the lead role. It was the wiggle worm. (laughs) And I remember the kid that got it was a friend of mine. And then I got cast as peasant girl number three. Oh. And my mother made me go and do that role. So right after that, I just dropped out. Um, I did not take any acting. I didn't do anything like that in high school. And as I went through university and stuff, anytime I got a chance to do something, I would. Mm-hmm. But it was always putting me in a gender that I'm not. I'm not. So it was a very confusing. So that part of the stand-up is for me, to be up there as myself, I've always liked to entertain people and perform. As far as the audience goes, my main goal is to make them laugh. 
and they get to see a trans person out in public. I mean, even the the local comedy main one here, Hecklers, I've I've done a couple spots there. I perform at the Mint often. I run the front of the door there also. So people will see me on stage, but then they'll come back and they'll have to meet me again at the door. And so it's very interesting to see for me to see how they respond to me. And I've had so many people come up and 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 give me really good feedback. And and the other reason I think it's really important it's because if there's anybody out there that doesn't totally know who they are. I mean, I don't know if anyone totally knows who they are, but mm-hmm. you know, we're lucky if we even get a glimpse into ourselves before yeah. we die, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, but if anybody's out there that might have a trans relative or a trans neighbor or somebody on their street or maybe be in the audience themselves, I've had people tell me, hey, my uh, my my nephew came out, or my daughter. I had a guy came to the show uh, last week and said, my daughter came out, and he knew me, and he said, part of me accepting my child was seeing you do stand-up. And to me, and he wanted to give me a hug, and I gave him this huge hug, but it was like a really powerful moment. Like, wow. You know, like, that's an added bonus of being able to make people laugh and educate people and maybe maybe it's only one or two people that'll go away thinking hmm could you just tell me more about how you use your shows to talk about your experiences so basically I'm an autobiographical comedian so I've always talked just about my life Mm -hmm. so as my life has like opened I've come out as many things on stage I've used now I because I'm had material I'm in that changing gender changing material space so now almost all of my comedy is based on my own experience through life. So it's through a trans person's experience. And I've used my comedy to kind of educate people, but also to make them laugh. That's my main goal is to make people laugh mm-hmm. because that's the main goal of comedy. But I also think it's to help people to understand and then turn it to make it kind of funny. Yeah. And with that, my what I found is people have... I've been well received by people and the main comment that I hear is you were hilarious and thank you for answering questions that I might have asked or been afraid to ask. So I think it's a good way to educate people but also gives me a chance to uh, perform which I love doing. So it hasn't stopped me but it's, I'd be lying to say if it, that it's not scary. Yeah. yeah, it's a scary thing. At this point of the episode, you might have recognized Zane's laugh which is so uniquely Zane, it made me want to be more my authentic self. So what's the most difficult thing you've gone through with your transition, kind of on like an emotional and mental and physical level? Okay, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think the scariest thing that I've gone through is actually deciding to medically transition. So when people realize they're trans, I mean, things are different now. We have access to the internet and things, but when I grew up, there was nothing. So I felt very much like I was an alien and that kind of thing. So when I actually figured it out, I think the scariest part of it was actually admitting it to myself. And there was a little bit of inner transphobia in there because I didn't want people to think that I was was weird. And then I had to think about myself, but you're just pleasing other people and not being yourself. 
And then because uh, not, if I hadn't medically transitioned, I don't have to as a trans person to be considered a trans person, but I chose to medically transition so that I could be seen as the gender that I've always been. And a lot of that has to do with voice. And you have no guarantee your voice is going to drop. But when it does, it changes everything. It changes how people see you. The other scary thing, I guess, is coming out to your family. That is always scary no matter what age you are. And many trans people are rejected by their families. And I have been lucky enough that my parents, even though they're older, um, have accepted me. But uh, I have a brother, but I have no contact with him. So I don't know how he would re respond because it's, I don't know what that his issue is with, with me. But um, that's always scary is coming out to people. I hope that in the future LGBTQ people don't have to come out because it's something that in the long run it's not necessary like people should just suck it up and it doesn't really matter like someone shouldn't have to say to their parents oh I'm gay or I'm straight they should just be able to like come home at Thanksgiving with like someone who identifies as female male or anything in between and everyone just accepts that and not having to like give like a disclaimer to everyone of oh I like this gender. Okay. Do you think that within the community there is prejudice towards people who identify as asexual, bisexual, and pansexual? Not in my experience, no. Because, like, I'm bisexual and I haven't had anyone discriminate against me for it. Keep in mind, again, I live in a place that is very, very privileged. And I'm someone who appears for all matter, for all, like, matters straight. So... Mm -hmm. I don't, I think in some situations, yes, but in general, I don't think there's necessarily an intention of discrimination, just, but there is a lot of misunderstanding still. I feel as though in a high school environment, we're married to our facades in a sense. They're there to protect us from any altercation we may face in our day-to-day -day lives as high school students. My experience with Zane was that it was an older white male speaking to a small brown kid about a community that impacted both of our lives, with no fronts attached to it. Something that would have never happened if it hadn't been for our situation, this podcast. I felt so fulfilled because I had never had a talk like that without hesitation or fear of breaking through a neutral facade with someone I had only just met. And I feel as though we forget that self-preserving images are there sometimes and believe that they're accurate depictions of the people around us, when really they're more of a survival instinct to avoid getting judged or mistreated, in fear of breaking what we like to call a comfortable barrier, but what really is the white noise of conversation. Uh, Gender-neutral pronouns for people, it's important for people that are transitioning or not transitioning. Like, you could go by they if you felt you were a they, mm -hmm. I know a lot of pe uh, cisgendered f friends of mine have changed their pronoun today. Um, I actually feel like most most trans people, not all trans people, I'm very non-binary, so I do use the pronoun they. Mm -hmm. And people are always arguing that they is a plural, but that's what they said, right? Like, it's not a plural, and we just have to get used to it. I've had a lot of trouble getting people to use a gender-neutral pronoun because people aren't used to it, so they can't quite wrap their head around it. I will go by he or they, but my preferred pronoun would be they, mm -hmm. but it makes it a lot easier. But to be also hearing he once in a while is good because it helps 
my whole body, my mind, body, and spirit kind of align with that person. I feel like I've had a lot of life experience, and through living as the other gender, I feel like I'm more of a they. If I would have transitioned today as a child, I don't know, but I my gut feeling was I'd be feeling more like a he. Yeah. Um, I know it's hard for the general public to understand and understand, even like in, in the queer community, it's even hard because you'll go around a circle and everybody will tell your pro, their pronouns. So you have to keep track of who everybody is. Yeah. So sometimes we'll wear like uh, tags if we're in a meeting or something with pronouns in the queer community. Mm-hmm. But I don't see society going that way. So there's not really a, a, a good way to do it, but it means a lot when someone tries. Like, for example, I, uh, I'm on a show with two cisgendered men. Mm-hmm. One of the guys I've known for seven years, so we're quite good friends. And he always uses they when he introduces me on stage. Always. When he's in conversation, he always uses they. So to me, it's just a huge form of respect when someone uses your pronoun, when they know that's your pronoun. And they take the time to learn how to use it, because it does take time. Yeah. It definitely takes time. Yeah. Does that answer? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, so how were LGBTQ viewed when you were in high school? When I was in high school, it wasn't really even a thing. Like, you knew certain people were gay, because really there was no LGBTQ. There were no letters. You knew, even the word lesbian wasn't really used. I mean... When I was a little kid, I used to get used to call get called a lesbo, and other not very nice words that uh, are used against LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, there was only one person in my entire school who was out as as gay, and uh, it was a it was a male, and he was a very respected person in the school. He was a he was an artist. He was a dancer. He was a bunch of things. Um, as far as that, uh, him though, that was it. There was always rumors that people were gay. There was always rumors. Not that people were necessarily beat, beaten up by other people that I know of in my school, but it just wasn't even a thing. There was no um, gay-straight alliance. There was none of that. Like, you just didn't know. And then after high school, that's when a lot of people started coming out. Mm-hmm. And then later, even after that, because it still wasn't totally a safe feeling. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of taboo. Yeah, very taboo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that within the community there is prejudice towards people who identify as asexual, bisexual, and pansexual? Okay, as someone who identifies as pansexual, I see this a lot um, because people don't, or a lot of people in the LGBT community don't view you as queer enough or gay enough to be LGBTQ, you're kind of just in the middle, and it's it's difficult because you're trying to find where you fit in in this community, you don't fit in quite in the straight community, and there's a lot of people that are like pushing you out of the LGBT community, so it's like... Isn't there a letter in the LGBTQ community that you're straight, but you agree with the community? Yeah, it's, um, like uh, an ally. ally. Yeah. yeah, like ally is technically like a term that you would use if you know you're... Yeah. 
you're yeah not necessarily inside the community but you're supportive of yeah. the community oh, okay, definitely okay. Yeah. um and that's kind of and difficult part about like where like asexual pansexual bisexuals fits in it's kind of just in like the like the cue sort of mm. it's the queer we're kind of we're something under that umbrella so it's kind of getting rid of that barrier between like being gay enough or straight enough and like breaking down the wall and it's just it's love yeah I th- yeah um, I think as I think there's definitely prejudice within the community um, I think but I don't know what people think the B then stands for in yeah. LGBTQ um, but a lot of people I think if a bisexual woman is with a man and I think they're automatically um, assumed that they're straight even because they're technically in a straight relationship quote unquote um, but then if a woman is dating another woman then that would be considered a lesbian relationship um, even though and they would be termed a lesbian when they personally identify as bi so I think um, there's definitely like a lot of people don't validate bisexuals or pansexuals um, and asexuals are barely recognized um, within themselves let alone within the community um, and especially like the different asexual is kind of a, a big umbrella term so I think it kind of goes uh, you know aromantic um, different um, terms like that so there's definitely a divide between that and I think kind of silly because we're all kind of in this together I feel like in the community and it should be uh just a big old gay hug yeah I don't know (laughs) if we can't support each other how are we supposed to get support from other people right Mm -hmm. I agree yep (laughs) um I have a question for you B would it be okay with you if I asked what does pansexual mean yeah um you're pansexual right yeah I'm pansexual pansexual to me means that I don't care about people's gender or their sex like their sex I don't really care about what's between people's legs it's mm-hmm. more who they are and their personality and what's between their ears it's kind of like what I like to say it's more between what's their it's more what is between their ears than what's between their legs so you care about their head on their shoulders not their head in their pants yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> I like that mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel as though things have changed today? Oh, yeah, I, definitely. I think t- things have changed. Um, are there people in the world that still, like, are ag- against the community? Yes. We see it all, all the time, right? And, and we see it in the States all the time now with uh, the political climate down there, very anti-LGBTQ. Um, I feel like Canada's a lot better, but there's always still a long way to go. But I love that high schools, like that even the fact that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. and we're in, a, in a high school and you're interviewing me is like almost surreal to me that this is even happening. It's fantastic like to even think that this can be a thing and to know that there's kids in school that can feel safer to come out and feel more supported and that other children or students uh, and adults will be allies for them. Like, my partner always says, ally is an action word. So it's not just about, yeah, I'm friends with a person in the LGBTQ community, but it's also supporting that person and lifting them up like you would any other friend, right? And maybe stepping in if somebody is saying something that's not appropriate Mm -hmm. or things. I I have had that many times. I've had people step in where maybe I haven't heard something 
and then somebody will say, you know what, that's not cool to say that. And that person might have said something uncool but not realized it's uncool or you don't totally know everybody's intent, but a good ally is is something that you can't even really quantify. And did I answer that <laughs> yeah, question? Yeah, <laughs> you're doing really good. Okay, yay. <laughs> As many listeners are probably aware, gender-neutral bathrooms have been a controversial, political, and social topic throughout many years. But for all who don't understand, people take this safe space for granted. Another scary thing is, very scary, is uh, changing bathrooms. Because there's not a lot of gender-neutral bathrooms anywhere, but uh, especially not in very binary spaces. And I perform in really binary spaces that are set up for comedians who are usually cisgendered white males or, yeah, white males. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much what it is, yeah. And there's a few cis women, but I think I'm one of the few trans people. So every time I do a show, I know I have to go into the men's washroom. So that was very scary. Another thing is I was going to the gym, and I didn't want to stop going to the gym. And I couldn't go to a gender-neutral change room. I had to switch to the men's change room, like, immediately. So it was quite a culture shock, and it was quite intimidating at first. I still get intimidated when I go in, but I know a lot of people now, and I feel more safe than I did before. What are some of the things in the community you'd like to see fixed or pursued more? I'd like to see, like, a, a, this is hard to phrase, but there's kind of a bit of a wall between, like, the transgender community and, like, a lot of other people. Like the quote-unquote normal people. Yeah, yeah. and like also, cis like, people. yeah, cis, cis people, and yeah. then there's also, like, trans people in the LGBT community, um... And I just, I don't know, it's hard because it's, what am I trying to say? Do you want me to touch on something quick? Okay. Um, I think uh, within the community and rights I'd like to see is um, having it more integrated in our school systems, I think would be like really big. Uh, like in terms of every like we helped pass a bill recently of that every school in SD61 technically legally needs um, a gender neutral washroom Um, I went and spoke to the school board about that uh, a few years ago and that's passed but I would like to see that more um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for like Coverage, or like yeah, more like pursued? more, more pursued, like, like yeah, more like action. Exposure? Yeah, like there's um, like it's more known that uh, this is like we have this and we need this um, in schools and like that it's not a dangerous thing to have a gender neutral washroom. Um, Wait, so when you say gender neutral, you mean all gender bathroom? Yeah, like okay. like you like I don't know about you, but like my house, we don't gender the washroom. You know, like yeah, it's like everyone uses the bathroom, right? Yeah, I mean, you know? I don't, I don't think any house has like. Exactly. Oh, this is for male. This is for female. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like. But then a house is a private place. Right. Not public. Right. I think that's like a big thing with people. It's how they wouldn't want a person with a penis in a female's bathroom. Well, that's the thing. Or like vice versa. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't know. They're all in stalls anyway, mm-hmm. so. It's not like you see anything. Yeah, I don't know. And that's interesting because my uh, 
my preschool was like all gendered washroom like it was like boys and girls use the washroom together um so that's kind of how I see it of you know like if someone identifies as female who am I to say that because um maybe they were born with a penis that they can't pee next to me I don't know that I think there's a movement actually um like you can pee next to me I think is a movement as well where yeah so there's some weird names yeah they're like yeah they go you can pee next to me yeah it's rhymy it gets your attention um so but that's why I think all gender uh washrooms are uh important because um maybe if someone even just doesn't identify as male or female they have a place where they can be and not be discriminated against. How do you feel about people who assume that the growth of teens coming out is a sort of trend? Like, one person does it, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do oh, it. Oh, as far as transitioning? As far as kind of, like, coming or, out as Oh, as, as the L- as trans? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have said that, uh, you know, I read that all the time, especially in comments, which you should never go in comments. We all know yeah. that, but I still go out there once in a while about uh, that it's a fad. I mean, nobody, I'm sure maybe there is one or two, who knows? Maybe there's somebody out there that would say, hey, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. But why would you want to put yourself in a very marginalized group of people? Like there's 1% of the population identifies as transgender. And it could be less, we don't know. But why would you want to put yourself in there only if it was a fad? Like, you have to go at there's lots of doctors that won't take transgender people it's really hard to get a doctor you have trouble with health care there's a you can be turned away at a hospital you can be turned away at a job you can lose your job you can lose your family members you can use your friends there's a lot of thought even when you 100% know who you are about transitioning so for somebody to take it lightly and realize that okay, now I have to be on these hormones for the rest of my life. That's a big deal in itself. Like, that's a big, huge decision. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not that people have to have surgeries. I mean, that is the individual's choice. But if people went even that far as a fad, it's something that is very hard to attain. It's not like it's just like you can just go next door and, here, this is this surgery is going to happen for you. Yeah. Um, you have to put yourself in kind of like an oppressive state because trans yeah. people and like people who are people of color are very oppressed in a sense. And it's yes, like, you're very right. Yeah, you have to actually take on that marginalized role and and not being a person of color. Um, I've always felt marginalized as a queer little kid that got called a queer little kid all the time and at that time people it was seen as a slur more to be called queer where now it's more of an umbrella term in in that lgbtq community but um what was the question um just (laughs) um it's like how do you feel about people who think this is a fad oh yeah your your answer was so good it's distracting me (laughs) i was like that was a good answer (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't understand it, especially um, for trans children. I think that's the thing that scares me the most is people that think this is a fad, that trans children that are actually coming out to supportive parents who are supporting their child, and I think, oh my, if I had that as a kid, I did not have that as a kid. I did not have a supportive mother at all. 
uh, had to fight hard against my mother to even look how I wanted to look. And uh, I had to keep my grades really high just so I could even wear the clothes I wanted to wear. But I see all these families now that are coming out with, that are finding out their child is trans. Their child is telling them, I'm a boy or I'm a girl. And they're actually listening because there's, there's education out there. And to think that somebody thinks that that is a fad and then those parents are supporting that child and they look at those parents as abusive where really they're preventing their child from ending up with all sorts of things like post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, constant anxiety, you know, living in, in a fear zone all the time. So I think for me that's, that's the biggest worry I would have with that thinking that it's a fad is kids that are trans are going to hear that and think, oh, great, everyone's going to think this is a fad. Mm-hmm. You know, and then my family is going to see, be seen as somebody that is not supportive but is actually abusive to me, where it's totally the opposite. They're the ones that are like, those parents are heroes to me. Yeah. Like when I read or see something, trans children being supported by their parents, I can't watch it without crying. Like it, it chokes me up just to even think about it. No, absolutely not a fad. I don't believe that it's a fad, although I do believe that when people were starting to, like when more people were starting to come out, I think that there were a few people that were like just experimenting, saying like, am I a part of this? Which is perfectly fine. Nobody fully Mm -hmm. knows what they are Mm -hmm. immediately. Well, no, that's not true, but... There's, yeah. People are always experimenting. Yes, plus mm-hmm. with, the, with the gap in generations, like 20 years ago, coming out as gay in high school was unimaginable. You'd mm-hmm. be ostracized, be bullied, yeah. you'd, you'd be tormented just just for coming out. And yeah. Now, nowadays, it's not perfect. No. But I can't think of a single person who'd say, oh yeah, I'm bisexual, just because they thought of it as a cool accessory. Yeah. Right. You're, there's, there's still homophobia around school, there's still transphobia. It's, no one's going to... No one's going to take that risk just to seem trendy, and it's not trendy. Right, right. It's an identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing, too, is like with we, when we see a lot of growth happening, if one person comes out, it, I think it's a, it's a prompter. It kind of is, um, you know, oh, my God, like, I am also not alone in this. Mm-hmm. I now, it might um, start a, a safe kind of um, part in themselves, uh, someone who's coming out or questioning to be like, oh, this isn't just me. Yeah. I There's someone else who feels that way. And I think that's um, kind of where the big generational kind of divide is, is people being more willing to accept, accept and that open. and open up the conversation to it. And seeing more people is um, really helpful, I think, for the community to um, go into it. Yeah, and, and treating it as a fact is kind of, uh, it's kind of regressive. Right. It's homophobic. It's, you know, if someone comes out and you push them down by saying, oh, you're just doing this to be trendy, you're just following a fad. Right. No one else is going to want to come out for fear of that judgment. Yeah. I had um, an, an experience where uh, someone um, asked me, how did I know? And uh, I, and, and it doesn't make sense to me because I just knew. Yeah. And I, that I wanted to ask them, well, like, how did you know that you were straight? Because I know that they for sure identify as a straight cis <laughs> yeah. <this> yeah. <laughs> So I, like, you know, like, how do, um, I think people automatically assume that 
straight is the kind of default setting yeah, yeah. for people. And then there's these other, you know, quote unquote, like categories where, you know, a few people fit into, but it's not. The and weird outcasts of society fit into. Yeah, the, like the weird kind of. Yeah, going into like the trendy again. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah adding, on, adding on to what you said about knowing, mm-hmm. there really is no eureka moment yeah. for a lot of LGBT, LGBT people. Like, mm-hmm. It's a process. It mm-hmm. takes a while. No one's just going to wake up one day and say, you know what? Today, I'm bisexual. Yeah. yeah. Like, or I'm gay. Or I'm pan. It's, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. something you just decide on the spot. It's not like, something you just come to realize. Like, it took me a good three years to figure myself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, for me, it was, thinking back to now, it was a very long process starting even in elementary school mm-hmm. where, I don't know, I just... You wanted to get me started in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was just a lot of realizing, hey, I mean, I like girls pretty much as much as I like boys, maybe mm-hmm. a little more. Mm-hmm. And it was a, just a very yeah, girls long are pretty, process. Girls are pretty great. Girls are, <laughs> girls are good. Can't really disagree. Good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think for me, there wasn't like a eureka moment, but I do a lot of like realization things where I'm like, oh, crap, this is like, you know, it takes, like, a lot of processing, and then I come into it. Like, I think I was, like, 15. When, you know, I, I wasn't identifying as straight for a really long time because I was just still exploring and not, yeah. like, you know, really sure. But I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm not straight, like, for sure. And I felt validated, and I was like, oh, dang. These women give me, like, the same feelings that, like, a man gives me. And non-binary, like, I am attracted to, like, whoever, you know? And it was, like, it was really validating in its, uh, in its own yeah, I feel like not a lot of people know what goes into figuring out your sexuality. It's yeah, not right. just not, not just a puzzle. There's also like yeah. there's also a lot of internalized homophobia, especially right. if you grew up in small towns. Like yeah. I grew up in a in a tiny, tiny town. Mm-hmm. My elementary school was started off as like two classes, mm-hmm. forty kids. Right. I was I was bullied for being gay before even I knew it was gay. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. For someone to figure out that they're gay or bi or pan, it. It's not just a puzzle for them. It's yeah. it's dealing with a lot of negative feelings, it's self-esteem mm-hmm. issues. Really, mm-hmm. I only started exploring my sexuality when I was in middle school where a few girls openly identified as bi. Back back when I was in elementary school, that wasn't even plausible. Mm-hmm. Right. No one no one was bi, no one was gay. Mm-hmm. We had one token gay teacher at my school. Right. And she was and like no sub- one was trans. Yeah, or, no one was yeah. trans. Yeah. But she was like subjected to rumor and, you know, to gossip. Right. There was a I had, I had been no positive role models and I was I liked girls since I was mm-hmm. six and I had crushes on girls when I was when I was in grade two, but I didn't have a safe space where I could express that and I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was I, I could I could openly talk about how I felt until I had gotten out of that environment. I went to a Love is Love conference in February to further educate myself on the community when I realized this would be a topic we were covering in this podcast. We picked a group, and from there, the group would travel to various workshops that filled their interests. The thing about the Love is Love convention that people may not realize is that it's a group of marginalized people just like any other parade or protest, who have been oppressed by society's lack of education and mistreatment for better use of the term, who come together as one and finally have a comfortable place to be. When we went into this one workshop, I had already made one friend in the group, another grade 12, but everyone else was either ages 9 through 16, and the workshop leader had them say the first insult that had ever been given to them out loud. It started off with normal, you're stupid, you're ugly, which shouldn't be normalized in any way. But as far as insults went in the group, 
they were perhaps the most tame. It got to the point where these literal children were spewing out words of hatred, and it never really stopped hurting me around two months later at how real these insults were. Things like, you'll never be a real girl, you'll never be a real boy, you should just dump rocks into your stomach and throw yourself into an ocean, but you probably wouldn't be able to sink because you're too overweight. And this prejudice we have for each other is inbred. Things like transphobia, homophobia, bullying in general is taught just like support and acceptance and the willingness to act upon your empathy. What message do you want to share with people outside of the community who, you kind of already answered this, but who may not get it or who may be going through something they don't understand? I think the main thing is um, to understand, like really look at children. I think that's the main thing is look at children and try to see maybe a child who might not be fitting that binary of, you know, what we expect girls to look like and what we expect boys to look like Mm -hmm. and just allowing people to be who they are, like no matter what that means. As long as people aren't hurting people and people aren't bullying someone or they're not being kind, then why do we have a problem with people? that aren't doing anything you know we're just being and just to be is a really hard stage to reach in life Mm -hmm. to just be who we are 100% of the time I just want to tell any kid who might have been in my shoes at age 12 sitting alone in the bed at night overthinking what am I going to do if I like girls or, or guys you're not alone. You're not. You're, you're really not alone. You just need to look around you sometimes. You might find someone who's older than you, who's more experienced in the community, or you might find someone who's your age or younger who's just as frightened and just as worried for themselves as you are. And solidarity is a very important thing at such an important stage in your life, whether you're figuring yourself out or you're just you're, you know who you are, but you're alone. Solidarity, being with someone who who understands your experiences and who shares your experiences is such a key thing and it'll help you so much with your negative feelings. It'll go miles, trust me, I'm speaking from experience. It'll help. Um, I think that everyone should know that it is okay to experiment and it's important to have friends who you trust and can just be like, hey, um, I don't really know what I'm feeling right now, but it might not be the standard Mm -hmm. and that's okay if it's not what society says is the quote-unquote standard. I think what I'd like to see is there be no standard for the Mm -hmm. community um, and kind of, uh, you know, I think it kind of goes back to the overall message of love is love and um, love is, like, there's the love is love is love is love, whether that be in the community or between, like, you know, like, like love is love, I feel like even went back to, like, Romeo and Juliet with, like, star-crossed lover kind of idea, like... I think I would like to see the world kind of just like sit back and realize that things don't need to be how they're set up always and our traditional values kind of um, oppressed a lot of people, um, whether that be in the community or in uh, in the LGBT community or uh, for people of color. And um, I think it's really uh, good to kind of recognize and for someone going through the same thing that, again, like you're not alone and it's... Um, it's okay if you don't know, it's okay if you know, it's okay if um, you thought you did and maybe that's not what you thought you were identifying as and um, it changes and 
you don't need to feel stuck in one place. And I think that goes back to the fad is people putting labels on themselves to help their exploration and then um, changing their mind is the kind of what people put up as a fad, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a fad and it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah, the moon has phases. Why can't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. One label doesn't work for you. It's okay to try others. You're not a fad. You're not a trend. You're, you're just trying to figure yourself out, and I think that's okay. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast project. We just want to give a special thanks to Twisted Wave for all their support. Join us next time for more from This Teen Life.